Ag State of Mind, bonus episode one. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome to this first bonus episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and COVID-19 is something that is taking the entire world by storm, and we are having our routines and our businesses interrupted. The ag industry is no different. It's being just as affected by this virus as the rest of the world. And what we are doing today on this bonus episode podcast is talking to the girls from AgriSafe. Charlotte and Linda from AgriSafe, they are both nurses. They are both very involved with the ag community and trying to spread wellness among the ag community. And we first talked to Charlotte Halverson, who's the clinical director of AgriSafe, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about the disease specifically, um, how it is affecting the population, you know, a little bit of the science behind it and the symptoms and what the best treatment options are. And then later we talked to Linda Emanuel. Um, Linda is actually who kind of set up this interview. She was introduced by my to me by my friend Carrie Portel. Linda is also a nurse. She is the community health nurse. Um, she is really great about talking about outreach and deals a lot about mental health. And we had this podcast interview scheduled a long time ago, but whenever COVID kind of came out and, you know, is really taking the world by storm, we decided to take this episode in that direction. And thus, that's why this is a bonus episode. It's not necessarily talking directly only about mental health, but it is talking about just this virus and how it's affecting the ag community. So I felt an obligation as a healthcare provider to bring this to the table and bring this to our listeners. So it's going to be a little bit different. You'll notice that the, uh, you know, the content is quite a bit different than a normal podcast episode. That's why I didn't feel like it was quite appropriate to release as a regularly scheduled episode. So thus the bonus episode. So uh, I'm really excited for y'all to hear this. For me, talking to these ladies, it really put a lot of my own anxieties at bay about the COVID-19 virus. I mean, it's something that is affecting me in a lot of parts of my life. Um, You know, professionally, my farm life, my family, my home life, um, you know, having elderly parents, you know, that's a, it's pulling at me from a lot of different directions. So um, I, I'm happy to say just hearing some of the facts that are coming out of this, talking to these ladies was was very refreshing to me. And I, I hope the same for you. So but before we get into the meat of this episode, I would like to encourage each and every one of you to go out to your podcast provider, whether it be Stitcher, iTunes, or Spotify, or somewhere different, and uh, leave us a review. Um, I've said it before, but reviews are how we get out in front of a bigger audience. Um, So uh, I would love to hear some constructive feedback on the podcast. So uh, please go and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. But uh, without anything else, I will go ahead and get into this interview with Linda and Charlotte from AgriSafe Network. And we're talking about the COVID-19 virus and its effects on the ag community. All right. Today we're talking with Linda and Charlotte from AgriSafe. Ladies, how are you doing tonight? Just fine. Thanks. Great, great. Well, this is a really 
a first for me and that I am talking to do two different people on two different lines. So uh, this is a kind of a going to be a learning experience for me too. So I'm really excited for that on this uh, new journey. And like I, we were talking uh, before we started recording, uh, it's going to be my first bonus episode in the fact that we're dealing something with something kind of uh, almost breaking, almost uh, current event news, um, just maybe something a little bit outside of the normal realm of what I talked to on a normal podcast. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the COVID-19 and how it's affecting us in the ag community. But uh, first, I'd like to give you all the opportunity to introduce AgriSafe, the organizations where you are you all are involved in and uh, give us a little background a little bit of the work you do and then we'll start talking about the about COVID-19 from there. Okay uh, my name is Charlotte Halverson and I am an occupational health nurse and I work with the AgriSafe Network as their uh, clinical director. In a nutshell it's a program that started uh, several years ago in the early 90s in Iowa with a group of nurses and we quickly decided that we could get a whole lot of things done working together rather than just in our own little pods. And pretty soon it became of national interest. And essentially, uh, AgriSafe is a nonprofit organization. We have a, a vested interest in providing research results, providing uh, education and resources for uh, largely uh, healthcare providers uh, that work in rural communities and rural families, uh, ranchers and farmers and their families and the people that they live and work with. And then also agricultural businesses that are also one of our audiences. And we provide all kinds of information and learning opportunities, either uh, online, on site, however you like that, um, on a variety of topics. Uh, focusing largely on the, on the health issues, the acute and chronic health issues that impact the safety and your uh, ability to work in the agricultural arena. Um, we are partners with the uh, NIOSH uh, program, their um, Total Worker Health Initiative. We're essentially the agricultural piece of that. We uh, do everything kind of under the banner of total farmer health, if you will. And that's how we uh, perceive our role uh, nationally and somewhat internationally as helping okay. uh, those communities and those folks in agriculture uh, be at their optimal health as much as we possibly can. Very good. I mean, that's a, you know, you're, you're working with a demographic that is very much in need of something like you said, I like the term you use total farmer health, because, um, you know, really, that is an all encompassing term, but, you know, you're pulling from a lot of different directions, and uh, you're doing focusing on a lot of different things. And uh, I think it's a really cool and really needed organization. I agree, Jason. Hey, this is Linda Emanuel, and I serve as the community health nurse with AgriSafe Network. And um, part of my role, where Charlotte is the clinical director, my role is community health. And so I work with those producers, meeting them where they're at, and I'm sort of the boots on the ground gal. My job deals heavily with women's health, veterans health, um, and uh, mental health of that Total Farmer Health Network. And so I'm located here in Nebraska with my family. Uh, we are producers, uh, we are corn and soybean growers, as well as we help our three grown sons with their cow-calf herd operation. So I am very excited to be on this podcast with you and, and to talk a little bit more in depth of what COVID-19 means to the producers. 
thank you. Thank you both again for being here. And I, it's really cool for me to get to talk to a couple of nurses because, you know, nurses hold a very special place for me because my, my wife is a nurse and I understand the value that you all bring to, you know, the healthcare setting and to society in general. So thank you for the work that you have done, that you're doing and that you will continue to do because I feel like a lot of times it's often unappreciated. So uh, I, I want to, I want to express my gratitude to you. Well, it's a great opportunity for us to give a shout out to our colleagues that are really in the uh, the front lines of this COVID-19 uh, in the emergency rooms and clinics, and particularly those that are working all those crazy hours in, in rural communities because they've got full plates as it is. Yeah, it's, uh, we were talking before we recorded, it's, it's right now on this t- time of recording um, here, March 24th, it's, um, it's really starting to hit my community. Um, you know, we've been hearing about it for a couple of weeks now, but it's, it's getting here now and starting to get here in big numbers. So yes, the, the people working the front lines of this are very valued and, and, and very, I, I can't express the appreciation enough because, you know, it's a scary time. So let's get to the heart of this, and it is COVID-19. What is COVID-19? Where did it come from? How is it spreading like it is? And how is it affecting communities? Well, COVID-19 is uh, something we're really struggling to get our arms around here because it is is spreading quickly. It is a virus. Uh, It is a very contagious, very rapidly spreading virus. And it um, it's, belongs to a family of viruses. You've probably in the past years heard of MERS or SARS or some of those. And this is, is similar in some respects. This originated in Wuhan, China. They believe it originated in an open air or a wet market where they butcher the animals, right, as the people buy them and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. And it spread rapidly uh, now it's what they call a pandemic. It involves the whole world. So it is in many, many countries across the, the world and spreads so rapidly, highly, highly contagious. Um, it, has, it spreads human to human. Uh, a lot of our people in agriculture are concerned about their animals. At this point, there's no indication that we can uh, spread it to our animals, be they our production animals or pets or or what have you. Part of the the problem with this virus and trying to wrap your head around it a little bit is the fact that these viruses are very, very tiny. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Kind of not like they're, you know, they're larger bacteria, but if you took, and the best way I can explain it is if you took um, a strand of hair, and we measure these things in this terminology called microns, Uh, But if you took a strand of hair, that strand of hair would measure 50 to 70 microns, something in there. These viruses that we're battling right now are about the size of 0.1 microns up to maybe 0.3, kind of in that neck of the woods. So if that gives you some kind of idea of why they're so hard to battle because they're so tiny, that's, I, I would say probably the, the the quick and dirty of it if you will as to why they're they're so hard to to wrap our heads around and to be able to to try to manage right 
and I'll talk about it from a from a pharmacist standpoint in that, you know, when you get something like uh, if the first thing that comes to my mind is MRSA, uh, you know, resistant staph, you know, there are lines and lines of drugs of antibiotics that, you know, we go to fight these resistant strains and eventually one of them will work. That's not the case with viruses. There is very limited research, very limited experience, especially dealing with this novel virus like this. It's almost evolving right in front of our eyes. Well, that's true. And, and researchers are working fast and furious to see what, what can be developed. There is a little hope out there that there are some drugs that maybe they can, and you would know as a pharmacist better than I, work in like combination things and what have you. But there's and there's also some fear about that, that people would get the wrong idea in a big hurry because we have a lot of vulnerable populations out there that are clamoring for an answer. And one of those uh, populations we're very concerned about, uh, as everybody's been hearing, are the, the elderly, the older population. They seem to be impacted the hardest, probably because uh, one of the reasons would be they have some... Uh, a higher rate of compromised immune systems, uh, probably more chronic disease issues going on, and they don't have that ability to to battle back. But the scary thing is, is we found uh, through the CDC just within the last um, couple of weeks that younger adults are being heavily impacted by it now, although not quite at the severe rate that the older folks are. But there was... Um, a study that showed uh, 38% of those that were sick enough to be hospitalized were younger than 55. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the other uh, facts here in the United States was that 12% of the COVID-19 cases mm-hmm. in this country that were known to be hospitalized were people ages 20 to 44. So that tells me that, uh, yes, we need to be very concerned about our elderly, but uh, our younger people have to be very aware that they they're not um, they're not immune to it. They're not yeah, immune to it at all. I think that was the one of the more shocking things as the data has been coming out. Um, the last I looked, and the and I can't remember where this subsection. I don't know if this was Missouri. I don't know if this was nationwide. I can't remember. But the alarm. It was alarming to me the number of twenty to thirty year olds who are who are being hospitalized and and being affected by this because when they were talking about this before it was you know here it I I didn't I did I expected it to be something that solely affected the elderly and then people, you know, my age and younger, it wasn't something that, you know, we, I, I kind of felt it would be something like we'd have a, a really bad cold, but that's not the case at all. Um, it, I mean, this, if, if you can catch it, it's even, no matter your age, it has the potential of debilitating you pretty severely. Well, we, we've all seen and heard the news reports of the people that are hospitalized on ventilators. They can't get enough intensive care area type ventilators going. And a lot of these people are, are the younger people. And, and I, although we don't call them a vulnerable population, one of the other groups that we're very concerned about are those healthcare providers, as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. that are frontline caregivers because they are uh, really at high risk of exposure and they have families they go home to. So it's, right. uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a real, really severe, serious thing 
I think for people of all ages to, to really watch what they're doing and to really understand what it is that we're, we're battling and what are the symptoms and what to do uh, as soon as they figure out that maybe they've had an exposure. Yeah, so the symptoms. And I think we the, the problem with the symptoms is, and I'm finding this being working in a hospital, working, you know, they're, they're, the symptoms that are coming are things that we would almost normally expect to see coming in our door this time of year, a cough, respiratory symptoms, a fever, you know, very nonspecific symptoms that could very easily be mistaken for the common cold. And I, so I want to talk to you about that, about what to do about what when the symptoms do first occur, what's the best course of action? Well, as you said, um, the the symptoms are that you know that fever, cough, and shortness of breath. And I think that uh, that the shortness of breath and the fever together might be you know a little bit of a clue that you know, there's something going on here uh, besides cold. Uh, what we're telling people is if you think you've been exposed, even if you just you're not real sure, but you're pretty sure that you've been exposed or possibly exposed, is to let the people around you know that mm -hmm. you are concerned. Uh, let your healthcare provider know that this is an issue. That doesn't mean that you run to the doctor right away. Mm -hmm. Because for most people, these symptoms are not going to be super acute. They're going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be like you said, like a cold and what have you. Uh, as we get more testing abilities available, I think we'll find uh, that more people can be tested. But uh, the big thing right now is to let people know and to social distance. And I'm a little, I kind of like the word, I don't like the word social distancing because we get into a, an issue around isolationism and all of this stuff. And Linda will talk about that later. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, physical distancing that put yourself at that, you know, six to eight feet away from people as much as you possibly can. Avoid groups. If you possibly can, that's not always possible, but, you know, really monitor where you are and who you're with and what's, who's around you. And uh, a lot of folks, and, and my kids included here that are working from home, kind of self-quarantine themselves, if you will. Mm -hmm. In other words, we, we quarantine mm -hmm. people, we take a healthy population and try to keep them away from people that are sick. And so whatever we can do to, to try to do that. Now, when you're talking to an agricultural population, ranchers and farmers, this gets to be a little bit of a sticky wicket. Uh, but if, that, if, the, if you think you've been exposed, is try to do as much of those things that you can. And then if you do develop the symptoms, call your healthcare provider before you go into the emergency room or the clinical care unit. But if you have symptoms, get a hold of your healthcare provider right away. Isolate yourself from other people as best you can because this is so contagious. And take care of yourself as best you can as far as hydration, as much rest as you can get. Making sure that you're, you're trying to get nutrition, but really if we're, try if to we're being honest it. here, do all the things that you should be doing anyway. <laughs> do all the things you should be doing. Absolutely. But we understand, especially when you've got a farm or a ranch to run, yep. uh, it's a whole lot easier said than done. So no, I know. Under, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> there, there you sit. You can, you can talk to that better than I can. I'm quite sure. 
Um, but just then there are the, the very basics that we've been talking about from day one, and that's hand washing, warm, soapy water, 20 seconds at least, the social or the, the physical distancing, distancing and um, trying to just keep yourself as removed from folks as you can, wiping down surfaces, cleaning and then disinfecting and there is a difference there and we mm -hmm. can address that if you want but it's you know things like the steering wheel on the car the steering wheel on the tractor doorknobs things you just don't even really even think about i think yeah, just think, yeah 100 percent. yeah i know for me for sure uh, especially trying to transition myself in between my my world at the hospital then my world back here at home on the farm and then around my kids and and wife it's it's got me a lot more cognizant of the things that things that are potentially infected. You know, now I I find myself uh, making sure I take I co come to work in a pair of clothes and then leave them there and come back home in a different pair of clothes. You know, uh, just little things that don't uh, would would sound crazy normal normally, but um, just to do whatever you have to do to make sure that you're not bringing that out into the community. Yeah, that it's that's uh, it's that fine line between trying not to panic about everything, but being hyper vigilant yes. about what we are doing because it is so contagious. Yes. And I had I had an interesting um, uh, learn from one of our colleagues, uh, one of the in insurance people, and he was telling us uh, when he was talking, because he works with a lot of farm and ranchers, and he said, he said, the things that we have to think about are when you go on to um, a large operation, sometimes there's, uh, when you go in the, the door of a facility, an animal care facility, there are several pairs of boots, and you just put the one on that fits you the best. You don't do that anymore, or you shouldn't, because uh, there's the possibility of transmitting whoever had those boots on before to you or you to them or, or whatever. Uh, gloves that we swap and share all the time. Uh, hand tools, uh, wiping those down. How do we, how can we kind of break that chain? Um, carpooling. Uh, group meals where if you you know everybody brings something to eat we shouldn't probably be doing that so much anymore so many things to think about it, it in every day something new pops up yeah it, it's and we, like we were saying earlier things are changing by the hour it almost seems like to me I remember um, earlier last week when we were getting emails from work I mean we would get an email in the morning and an email in the evening and it would be t it would things would totally change from you know one time of the day to the other and you know when you're dealing with something that is so unknown so novel, that's just kind of the way that the information flows and you just kind of have to do your best to keep up. And um, that's why this research that's being done, that's why the work that people are doing on the front lines is so important is because it is, it is changing so rapidly and we're finding out new things and new procedures and new just things in general just all the time about it so uh, it's it's this is a really really important and I feel like it's a thing that is going to kind of change the way we live well I think a lot of the farmers that you know around here are worried because they said you know 
we've never really dealt with this kind of thing at this level before. And I said, what, what happens if all of a sudden I get really sick with this and I can't take care of my animals? And we live where I am is in a huge dairy area. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, those cows, um, they have to be milked two or three right. times a day, depending on how your operation is set up. What happens then? Uh, because we aren't supposed to have extra people coming on our property. What happens then? Yeah, so yeah. there's an awful lot to be for our, our agricultural folks to really work through. And we're, we're really hoping that, it, you know, that you can talk to your, your neighbors and your commodity groups and your membership organizations. And it takes a village. And this is going to take a village for some time. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this on the podcast often about the, you know, just the everyday mental and, and, and behavioral stress, brain health kind of issues that come along with farming and ranching. And this just totally adds a new dynamic to that. And, uh, Linda, I know that you and I have talked about this in the past and, you know, we kind of almost did this kind of audible cause we were planned on having this conversation, you and I just to talk about mental health in general, but you know, this, like I said, this new dynamic of COVID-19 kind of just throws a really huge wrench into this. And, uh, I want you to, I want to offer you the time to, to kind of talk about that and we can kind of discuss that a little bit and some of the emotional stresses of, you know, isolation and uncertainty and, you know, what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with the markets and what's going to happen with trade and the whole thing. Cause there's, uh, again, on, there's so many levels and so many layers of this, and I'd, I'd like to be able to break those down a little bit. You bet. Just listening to you talk about all those levels was stressing me out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It stresses as me a, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a producer and a nurse, of course. And and these are stressful times. Um, and stress is very normal during an infectious disease outbreak that we're experiencing. It, it is completely normal. And it doesn't matter if that outbreak is near you or impacts you directly. It still is normal to experience this little bit of anxiety. And so it's very important that we realize those signs of stress within ourselves and, and with our family and in our coworkers. And, and as you just alluded to, we've got market prices that are an issue, trade wars, family dynamics. And I can tell you here in Nebraska, we just celebrated our first year anniversary since the 500 year flood that hit us. Mm-hmm. And uh, my little community was directly impacted as well as our farm, some of the ground that we retail and such. And so um, I feel like, gosh, we just got through that disaster. And here we are on this next don't know uncertain type event in our life. And and of course, along with farming comes those family dynamics that can cause the stress and and legacy planning. So all of this stress, all of this stuff that's going on around us, it can can cause different types of responses um, in our behavioral health, emotional and physical and cognitive health. Yeah, absolutely. And it's things we need to be aware of anyway. But during this time, and and I've talked about this, I've, I've talked to you about this, I've talked to others, I've made social media posts about this, that, you know, this is going to be tough. This is going to be a very tough trial for each and every one of us. But my hope is that it will kind of hopefully bring to light the things that are important and bring to light the the ability of us to manage our own stress and to maybe um, take inventory of what is important for us and 
use that as fuel going forward because and and maybe be maybe be a little bit be- better prepared for the next crisis that's you know i'm i'm extremely optimistic on that i know but uh i i i it is truly my hope that that is what is going to come out of this absolutely and it's that positive state of mind you got going that we we all need it's a little bit of our own little time out right now that we're having to do a check-in and um you know write down do some journaling of those things um maybe some goal setting and um those things to be thankful for and and stress comes Everybody experiences stress differently and how it shows um, in their behaviors can be completely different. For some folks, they may be a little bit more irritable and and show outbursts and and be more argumentative. They might have trouble relaxing or sleeping, a little bit more worrisome on simple matters, crying frequently. And unfortunately, um, it can contribute to those folks and using alcohol and, and drugs um, and overuse of, of those substances. Um, and, then, and then it's our emotions, you know, it's the feeling. How are you feeling inside? And, and for folks, again, it's the weary and the worry and the fear. And um, some might um, cause some depression type symptoms and guilt. Some folks might feel like, you know, I, I'm not able to help doing enough. And, and physical signs of stress um, can be stomach aches, headaches, muscle fatigue, losing appetite. And then there's the brain health that we've talked about, those cognitive signs. It might be trouble remembering things. They just don't have that clarity, that ability to recall items like they used to, and difficulty making decisions. So all of that is just kind of turning around inside of us, and and it manifests itself so differently. Yeah, it does. And earlier this week, I had a podcast interview with... um, Amanda Radke, and she spoke about the differing, the different family dynamics that she has with her and her husband and um, her parents ranch together. And, you know, they each individually respond to stress differently. And I think that's important to take into mind here with, with, you know, these new developments that, you know, everybody is going to deal with their own stress their own problems differently and i think it's important for each one of us who is involved in a close relationship with someone else to maybe be able to recognize that in someone else and maybe be able to sit down and have a conversation whenever things are are you know aren't when you aren't in the midst of the storm and you know so we can maybe sometimes get a little bit better understanding because you know there's a lot of things that maybe um, may be said that weren't aren't meant and that sort of thing and maybe that's just the way somebody deals with their stress stress healthy or not um and, but just to be, just to come together and be a little bit better understanding of one another, I think is really, really important. And is because, and when we're going to be so close, and uh, you know, there's not going to be this escape that we used to get. You know, there's not going to be this, you know, take a drive to town and you know, go grocery shopping type thing uh, to to kind of get away from it and then come back home because you're, you know, for the most part, you're just going to be kind of stuck around the place, and um, you know we're not going to have those outlets anymore. So I think we need to do a really careful job of taking inventory of our emotions and, and inventory of, of the things that are bothering us and, you know, just kind of lay it all out on the table in the, the time and with the people who we are, are spending the most time with. You got it. You got it. I read a saying somewhere that a shared table is a shared life, mm-hmm. you know, 
baking bread together and sitting down to, to talk about the day and, and discussing um, some of those emotions. And especially for the young, they don't really recognize why they're feeling and they sense there's some anxiety in the house, but not knowing why. And of course their schedules have been thrown off. They're used to the, the school coming home, doing chores and then off to the next activity. So it's, it's been just a complete full tilt in a different direction than what we're used to. So talk therapy, huge. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you, something you said there kind of really hits home to me is with my current family situation in that my wife is at home with our four boys. And, you know, that that's a that's a really stressful situation can be for a for a mother, you know, especially a farmer wife, ran, uh, a farmer ranch wife who you know, may live out in the middle of nowhere. We do. Um, we live, you know, 12 miles from the closest town. And, you know, the only human interaction she has is with me and her children for the last last 10 days. And, you know, that can kind of be a really hard thing for a lot of moms, I feel like. And, you know, I, I'd like to talk about that and how we can, how the moms at home can cope with this and, you know, get the best out of their time with their kids, but also at the same time, you know, make sure their own needs are taken care of emotionally. Yes. Yes. And I, I totally get your wife, Jason. <laughs> I'm a boy mom. Our sons are all raised now and our wife. And so during harvest and planting, I used to say that I was a widow and that I was raising these three mm -hmm. boys by myself. And we all know how energetic those boys can be. Mm -hmm. And and so I found myself, yeah, pulling my hair out at times and, and looking for that out. And that out that we're used to having um, is going to be put away just temporarily. You know, we will get back to a normal life eventually. Right, but right. during this interim, um, some things that we can do. You know, connecting um, is so important. Uh, Charlotte talked about social distancing, and she prefers to call it physical distancing. And I like that term. Social I agree. Socially, we need each other. That's just the way that we're made. And But right now, um, we are asked to separate from the herd, so to speak, to protect the herd. So you still have to connect, though. And, and to be a little creative with that connectivity, um, I've heard people do um, virtual calls. And it's like a, a wine time where a group of gals might get together and have a glass of wine while they're talking virtually. There's also emailing, of course, cell phones. Um, if you went to go see grandma every Sunday afternoon after church. Of course, you can't do that right now, so make a phone call. Eating a well-balanced diet, um, pushing those plant-based foods and beef, I will always support. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the chicken and all of those other species, but um, you know, making sure you're eating a well-balanced diet, um, getting out and getting some fresh air and exercise. Science shows us that just by walking, it's that rocking of that brain and taking those deep breaths, that that can help bring that stress level down. Um, I am a yogi. I do practice yoga. And now that I can't get to a studio, I have found online some free um, classes. And I really enjoy that 20 minutes of time to myself. And um, just to plug for AgriSafe on our YouTube channel, we do have free um, yoga in tutorials. And one of them is Legs Up the Wall, which sounds crazy, but it works. It's a matter of just laying on the floor to the side you kind of turn your hip to the side of the wall and then put your legs up it sounds crazy 
but it works. It, it, it does, it helps to just take some of that, um, of course it's physical, it helps take some of that stress off your low back and your lower legs, but it's just a moment to, to take a breath. Um, talk to, Sorry, I just got to break in. I, I can't help but notice the similarities between you and my wife, Carrie. Oh, your farm wife, nurse, and then Carrie just finished her yoga instructor's uh teaching yoga yoga teacher training and so she's going to she's on her way to be a certified yoga instructor so uh it's just amazing the parallels that you two have in your lives i think that's really really interesting really cool it's got to be those boys we're raising right? <laughs> right yeah and a boy mom too so i mean yeah wow you guys could like you know commiserate for a long time together <laughs> Well, when she starts her online yoga classes, let me know. I would love to jump in. And again, you don't have to be an experienced yoga person to enjoy some of, some of this yoga. And this is also a great time maybe to dig up some family recipes and have that experience with your children, some of grandma's old recipes, and, and learn how to cook those breads or those special things that grandma used to do. And I keep coming back to finding the joy, you know, finding those yeah. positive of your life those little things yeah. right now here in nebraska the tulips are just starting to come out of the ground how fun is that to be able to watch this growing season take off again yeah no a hundred percent finding the joy and i think that's a big thing in this time right now and it it, it is it's tough and you know being, you know, being isolated is tough. And, you know, this threat of a novel virus coming into your communities and, you know, potentially infecting several people is scary. And it's, it's, it's a bad thing, but it doesn't mean we cannot make the best of it. You know, for me, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to know my whole family is at home all day. And know that they are getting along for the most part. Um, I think they're getting along better now than they did when they were in school, which is amazing to me. And, you know, getting to know that Carrie is teaching them to cook and they're learning lessons and they're doing crafts and they're drawing pictures. And, you know, once the weather gets a little bit nicer, they'll be able to get outside and do some things. And um, I was talking to you earlier, Linda, my, my two boys are doing all the feeding for me, so I don't have to do that when I get home. So, uh, I mean, it's been a, it's, it's as, as, as rough as it is and all, and I, I wrote about this actually today, you know, we had a lot of stuff canceled and, you know, there's people getting sick, but it doesn't mean we can't find the good in this, in these tough times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and be informed, but you have to limit the time that you're listening to all of this news that is coming out. Yeah. And those mm -hmm. trusted sources are, um, we encourage people to check on the CDC's website. They have a special site um, dedicated just to the coronavirus, um, as well as um, keep up to date with public health officials and your own government officials. I know the governor here in Nebraska, as well as Iowa every day, seems like they're doing an update at one point, you know, get that information that you need and then shut it off because there's so much information out there that it can be so overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. And that's another thing, you know, you get so much information and then it begins to become conflicting. And then you turn into what I call like a news zombie or a content zombie where you're just, you're just fully immersed in that. And, you know, it's, it's okay to unplug from everything once in a while if not, you know, often it just, just like you say, get enough to stay informed, but not enough to get too deep in the weeds. 
Absolutely. And, and understand what the, the risk that harm means to you. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And this, and I want to give you guys ample time to talk about this. And I feel like this is a perfect segue to talk about the webinar that, that AgriSafe put on. It was live yesterday, but it's available. Um, it's available to anyone who wants to, to watch it. Is that correct? You bet. Yes, it, yeah. is. it was recorded yesterday. Um, we had a great panel of experts that served, and one of them was um, Charlotte that you listened to earlier. Um, our presenters were uh, a doctorate of veterinary health and one health, um, Heather Fowler, she's also director of public and producer health at the National Pork Board, and um, another doctorate of Ag College and Preventative Medicine through the University of Minnesota Ag and Safety and Health talked. Um, Dr. Chad Roy also talked about infectious disease, aerobiology, and biodefense. He really got into the nitty gritty of the coronavirus, which for me as a science nerd was very, mm -hmm. it was, is, it, but he presented it in a manner that was very easy for me to understand and actually put some of my worries um, at bay. And then um, Mike Keenan talked mm -hmm. about um, insurance um, and then just good employer practices on the farms. Um, you know, some of our farms are a little bit larger in scope. He talked about um, how to take care of employees and be prepared, be prepared for a labor shortage, um, how to recognize if an employee is sick and, and then, you know, have to have those conversations with them to send them home and then what the rest of your employees need to know about this person being sick. And I can tell you here on our farm, um, we've been working on cross training and some of those specialized tests um, such as the crop sprayer and the planter so that more than one person knows how to run that specialized technological equipment in case mm -hmm. someone gets sick. Right, right, yeah. No, I the implications of somebody getting sick are um, just as applicable to folks on the farm as they are to the rest of the the rest of the population. You know, this is going to affect farm labor, you know, farm business, farm trade, far all these things. It's going to affect the industry just as much as it will affect any other industry. And I also think it's important that there is an organization like AgriSafe who is familiar with farmers and ranchers, familiar with the agricultural community, and presenting this information, this medical information to them in a way that relates to them and they are able to um, kind of comprehend because no matter what it is, no matter what kind of information, it needs to be relatable and it needs to be able to be applied to your life. And just like how we talk about on this podcast, the importance of mental health practitioners being familiar with the ag community and how important that is. This is in the same breath that, you know, medical professionals and people who are familiar with the disease, um, being able to apply this to farmers and ranchers is, is ultra important. Absolutely. Farmers and ranchers are their own unique culture, our own unique subset, you know, and, and each region acts a little bit differently. So it's, it's about making, um, taking all of these important points, these important preventative tactics and, and making them work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of both of your time tonight, and I really, really appreciate you all taking the opportunity to have this conversation with me about a, such a pressing and important topic. But uh, I want to give you the opportunity to where 
online can we find not only the webinar, but also just in general, um, all things AgriSafe? All things AgriSafe. That can be found on agrisafe.org. Um, and there we have a nice cover page that talks, has our quick links listed as well as current topics. We also have a learning lab and that's where a lot of our webinars and online resources and downloadables are housed. And that's learning.agrisafe.org. Um, but again, if they, if they just get to that cover page, it'll quickly um, flip them right into that learning lab. And, and we have guest registrants. So folks just, when they want to sign up for webinars, especially that great one that was just presented yesterday, all they have to do is give us their name and email address and then um, the system will send them the link and then they can watch it on demand. They can stop it and play it and as many times as they need to. Very cool. Very cool. I had intentions of watching it yesterday, but then, you know, some people decided they needed their medicine for, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I guess duty calls, right. But I have every intention of watching it this week. So, and, um, I really enjoyed getting to talk to both of you tonight and, you know, kind of, I feel like I am put at ease a little bit in knowing that there is hope out there. There is an organization like AgriSafe that is doing the work to bring this important information to farmers and ranchers. And just to know that, you know, we're all in this together, just like any other struggle where we all have this community, we're all in this together. So I appreciate the work y'all are doing. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's going to help. Thank you. I, I read something on a real quick um, note. I read something a farmer had posted. I think it was from Missouri. He said, to keep it together, we must come together. And I thought, you know, that is so true. What farmers and ranchers are doing is critical infrastructure to keeping our country moving ahead, providing that food and that we need so that, you know, that we need to survive. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Just getting in it together. And that's, that's how we fight any other fight. So uh, this is no different. Charlotte, do you have anything else for me? I just am very grateful for the opportunity to connect with you this evening and uh, to be a part of this conversation um, because I think this is how we all learn best is, is through conversation uh, and learning from one another. And if there's anything down the road with all of this that AgriSafe can do for you uh, in your community or with your, uh, your listenership, on your podcast, which um, again, I'm really enjoying the fact that you're doing these podcasts. If there's anything we can do, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, if they, if people have any questions about, you know, protective equipment, about uh, resources, about just who might be in my neck of the woods, maybe we can help them connect also. So again, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. I, I appreciate those kind words. It's, uh, you know, this has been, um, like I said, and this has been, particularly this episode has been very interesting for me because it really does form, you know, kind of bring those two worlds together of mind as, as, as healthcare and, and agriculture. And, you know, this is what that podcast, my podcast is, is trying to do as well. And I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to have this conversation tonight. Thank you for your time, Jason. Yeah, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. 
And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.